Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 26th. In today's news, the whole world seems to have a case of quarantine fatigue. Memorial Day gatherings alarm public health officials across America. And Joe Biden wears a mask as he leaves his house for the first time in months. But first, the big idea. Tyson Foods, the largest meat processor in the United States, has transformed its facilities across the country since legions of its workers started getting sick from the novel coronavirus. It has set up on-site medical clinics, screened employees for fevers at the beginning of their shifts, required the use of face coverings, installed plastic dividers between stations, and taken a host of other steps to slow the spread. Despite those efforts, the number of Tyson employees with the coronavirus has exploded from less than 1,600 a month ago to more than 7,000 today. What has happened at Tyson and the meat industry overall shows how difficult it is to get our nation back to normal, even in essential fields such as food processing. Meat companies have spent hundreds of millions of dollars on measures like protective gear, paid leave, and ventilation systems since they were forced to shut down dozens of plants that were among the nation's biggest coronavirus hotspots. But the industry has still experienced a surge in cases, and some companies say they're limited in just how much more they can do to keep workers separated from one another. Only a portion of the labor force has gone back to work. Some workers have kept away on purpose. And the nation's meat supply remains deeply strained just as barbecue season gets underway. A new report from CoBank, which specializes in serving rural America, warns that meat supplies in grocery stores could shrink as much as 35 percent, prices could spike 20 percent, and the impact could become, quote, even more acute later this year as the second, third and fourth order effects of this contagion are felt across the U.S. agriculture supply chain. Grocery stores have been able to partially meet consumer demand thanks to meat already in the supply chain going back to March when the pandemic broke out. But the new report from CoBank says that those supplies are quickly being used up. The prospect of long-term shortages is giving rise to an intensifying debate about whether the industry should reopen faster or whether safety should be prioritized instead, even at the cost of the nation's food supply. With an executive order on April 28th encouraging meat plants to reopen, the Trump administration has said the food supply must be weighed equally with safety. Over the past month, more than half of the 30 meat processing plants that had shuttered because of the coronavirus have reopened. Officials with the meat processing companies say they're doing whatever they can to protect workers, but also trying to make sure that the nation's food supply remains sound. What's clear is that the industry's efforts so far, though they may have lessened the virus's spread, have not come anywhere close to stopping it. Over the past month, the number of infections tied to three of the country's biggest meat processors, Tyson, Smithfield, and JBS, have gone from just over 3,000 to more than 11,000, according to a tabulation by my colleague Taylor Telford. Throughout the industry, worker deaths have also tripled, surging from 17 to at least 63. Many plants that have reopened are operating at reduced capacity, either because of widespread absences or to reduce the number of workers on a shift to allow for social distancing. Meat plants are usually located in rural areas where they're among the largest employers. 
Coronavirus infection rates in communities within 15 miles of a meat plant are twice the national average. These recent plant closures have cascaded through these local rural economies as farmers who supply animals are left with nowhere to take them. The National Pork Producers Council estimates that current plant capacities are creating backlogs of 170,000 hogs per day. The industry group estimates that more than 10 million hogs meant for market will soon need to be euthanized. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Tokyo lifted its state of emergency today. Somewhere in that crowded, sprawling city of 37 million, the coronavirus is still lurking, but life must go on. Japan lifted the state of emergency over the entire Tokyo metro area, which effectively ends the country's already soft lockdown. New infections have slowed to a trickle and hospital beds have been freed up. There's finally light at the tunnel. Japan, though, is now trying to adjust to what the prime minister calls a new lifestyle, an idiosyncratic attempt to restart daily life without provoking another increase in infections. Meanwhile, Italy's nightlife has come raging back. On Monday, as images of nightlife played on state TV, a chorus of politicians warned that the country had gotten reckless and risked backsliding in its fight against the contagion. The governor of the country's northern Veneto region shared a video on social media showing images of people shaking hands, having drinks with masks worn like necklaces, and then the video cut to an image of somebody dying in a hospital bed. Meanwhile, we're seeing this play out across the world. Car factories are starting back up in Brazil and Mexico. Train services restarting across much of India. Mining companies are reopening in Peru. The problem is infections are rising in each of those countries I just mentioned. Dubai will reopen cinemas, health clubs, and gyms today, despite a surge of new cases across the Persian Gulf that shows little sign of slackening. Non-essential shops are also reopening in England as Prime Minister Boris Johnson continues lifting restrictions. Number two, closer to home, in Ocean City, Maryland, visitors thronged the boardwalk and only some wore masks on Memorial Day. Beaches from coast to coast saw dense crowds, including visitors to the Tampa area along Florida's Gulf Coast that forced authorities to close parking lots. In Houston, partygoers packed into a club swimming pool on Saturday, a day after the Texas governor eased restrictions on bars and restaurants. Demonstrators at a rally in Kentucky hung Democratic Governor Andy Bashir in effigy as they protested his stay-at-home restrictions. The protesters carried guns, waved don't-tread-on-me flags, and called the pandemic one of the biggest shams in world history. Missouri officials issued warnings after videos surfaced of partygoers crowding a Lake of the Ozarks pool bar over the holiday weekend. St. Louis's county executive issued a travel advisory urging anyone who ignored protective practices and went to the parties to self-quarantine for 14 days or until they test negative. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson said yesterday that a high school pool party has fueled a second wave of coronavirus cases in his state. He said it should be a teachable moment for everyone. In my home state of Minnesota, the number of people needing intensive care unit beds climbed to a record high over the holiday weekend. The state's health care system is strained. And here's some hypocrisy to watch for in Michigan. So often it feels like there's one set of rules for the powerful and the politicians and another set of rules for the rest of us. 
The owner of a northern Michigan dock said on Facebook that the husband of Governor Gretchen Whitmer, the Democrat there, wanted his boat placed in the water before the holiday weekend, even as Whitmer urged residents to stay home. Republicans say the governor's own family isn't following her guidance. A Whitmer spokeswoman did not deny the allegations, saying only that the governor's too busy to respond to every rumor that's spread online. Whitmer got high marks early on, but she's stumbled repeatedly in handling the crisis since then, which has likely hurt her stock in the contest to be Joe Biden's running mate. Number three, speaking of Biden, the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee emerged from his home for the first time since mid-March to lay a wreath yesterday at the Delaware Memorial Bridge Veterans Memorial Park in Wilmington. President Trump also took part in a wreath-laying ceremony at Arlington National Cemetery and later gave remarks at Fort McHenry in Baltimore. Unlike Trump, Biden wore a mask. These disparate approaches played out as the country's official death toll from the contagion edged closer to 100,000. I want to close today with a story about some folks who will not be included in that tally. Fleming County High School in Flemingsburg, Kentucky, held a staggered 13-hour graduation on Saturday from 8 a.m. until 9 p.m. so that each graduating senior could come on campus with up to six members of their family to receive their diploma. Dalton Barnett's mother, Nancy, wore a shirt to the ceremony that said, quote, Senior Mom, some people wait their entire lives to meet their inspiration. I raised mine. Class of 2020. Not 15 minutes after Dalton got his diploma, Nancy was dead. As the family left the ceremony, a pickup truck collided with their car as Nancy made a left turn. The impact killed her and her husband, Lyndon, instantly. She was 53. He was 56. Dalton, who's 18, and his brother, Michael, who's 26, are being treated at the University of Kentucky Medical Center in Lexington. We're not sure if they'll make it. This pandemic has underscored some of the many ways that life is both fragile and all too often wickedly cruel. The tragedy in Kentucky is just our latest daily reminder to hold the ones you love tightly because you never know when they'll be taken away from you or when you will be taken away from them. Every day we have here is a blessing. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 26th. Thank you for listening. I'm James Homan. Stay safe. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>